yeah, I'm loving this China stuff. No, I'm not yeah. loving it, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, tra- I'm following it. Okay, yeah. that's what I meant to say. We're editing that out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm really having fun with the the China, you know, potential here. Oh yeah. man, that that part's got to be taken out. There's no way that stays. <laughs> Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Do you believe, Michael, that Jesus ascended from the earth he disappeared into the heavens. If I didn't, I think I should find a new job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What are you, what are you going to say to that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Um, <laughs> so, I in feel, our, in our, I feel like our, that's asking a pastor, do you believe in Jesus? You know, it is. It is asking you that. In our in our membership interviews, uh, both as a, from an elder perspective and when our members are presented to the church for membership, uh, we're, we're actually changed it now. But uh, those who are coming into membership give their we ask them what is the gospel, and you know we've trained our church to recognize the fullness of the gospel, Jesus's eternality, his life, his his virgin birth, his death, his resurrection. And over the years, we've had people, we've had members say, I notice the resurrection isn't in their gospel. Yeah, I notice certain words are missing from their, under, their statement of the gospel. Mm. Um, now, in an elder interview, that typically gets worked out, you know, yeah. uh, where I'll say, well, well, what happened next? What else would you add? You know, anything else that you find important? Uh, and, you know, given the benefit of the doubt that they're they're not rejecting the resurrection, right? right. They just might not know it, have an immature understanding of it, not, you know, forgot, whatever. So you're, um, are you saying you're a little bit generous in the interview process? Yeah, it's always a judge. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and it's always a, a wisdom call, you know? Yeah, Is this, you know... Uh, on how who who is this person? How are they doing? But yeah, probably one one that even I have never tried to like make sure that someone mentions either in my interviews or that we've taught our church to ensure as part of the gospel is the ascension itself, maybe the return maybe yeah. of Christ, but but not the ascension. Um, does it, it, does it have any significance in the, in in Christian doctrine? Yeah. Um, (laughs) it, it's one of those questions like it, I know it should. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, it absolutely matters. Um, I, 
I do agree. Like they're, they're, uh, who's going to say that in a pastoral year? I think, and to be honest with you, um, I guess I do, you know, when I think about preaching, I, what I've noticed is like, in our, we do an interview process like a lot like you do. And, um, very similar in terms of presenting members before the church and, or, or membership candidates for the church. Um, I've noticed that if a, if a person is coming to our church for a while and has been like visiting and, and listening to the sermons and things like that mm-hmm. on that interview question, you know, which is basically asking them to summarize the gospel in their own mm-hmm. words or put it in their own words. Um, if they've been coming for a while, I hear a lot of the same ways that I present the gospel in the sermon mm-hmm. in sure. the interview question, you know, which is, you know, it's good that that's the case, I, I think. Um, but it also tells me it's kind of revealing about like how, how well am I communicating the gospel during the sermons? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say there are times where I focus on the ascension, where I think the ascension is highlighted more, maybe, in uh, and, and the connection of a passage to the ascension of Christ is perhaps highlighted more. And what I've noticed is that when I preach the Psalms during the summer, we do every summer we do ten Psalms, basically a Psalm a week for ten weeks, essentially mm-hmm. is how we do it. Yeah. And uh, I've noticed that the ascension, especially we're only we're only through Psalm forty, I think now, and um, mm-hmm. and so uh, I've noticed that I, that I I talk about the ascension of Christ in connection to the gospel a lot more in those first forty Psalms and connecting them to the gospel than mm-hmm. I probably do in a lot of the rest of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, I know why I connect the Psalms there. I don't know why I don't do it in in a lot of other places in Scripture. But it, but mm-hmm. I, I frequently find myself going to a gospel connection there, you know, mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah, yeah. So so then the, I think I guess the question is, why is it important? Which was your original question. Yeah. And so that was my way of answering a question you didn't ask and then turning the question you did ask back on you. <laughs> so I'm I'm preaching through Acts and I I told a guy at breakfast this morning I'm preaching two verses this Sunday, Acts 1, 8 and 9. You will be my witnesses and then they see Jesus ascend. And when I first started preaching through Acts and I you know, I, I've told several of our elders and others that, you know, we're going to do 19 sermons is the plan right now in the first two chapters. Um, I think I could do more. I think I could do just a, I could think I could do two or three sermons on Acts 1 8. Mm. And that this week I'm doing eight and nine. So I, I, there, there's so much there. And the, the ascension is in, uh, is in verse nine. And what I find, uh, what I find interesting and kind of a, a challenge, is Luke doesn't give us any meaning of the resurrection in Luke one nine. He doesn't say anything about what it means. Meaning of the ascension, right? Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah. give any theology. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he doesn't give us any theology for why it is important that Jesus ascended uh, within a cloud into the heavens. 
he just he he's actually focusing on the fact that is witnessed by the apostles. So he he mm-hmm. says in 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 two different ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, uh, let me let me pull it up right now. He said at the, at the at the beginning when they see him going, they were looking on. When they when Jesus said these things, they will be his witnesses. They were looking on. He was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, so they they were looking on out of their sight while they were gazing into heaven. So Luke is really focusing on the fact that they saw this happen, and which I think is the first prima facie understanding of what it means to be a witness. They saw these things happen. They when you when you get down to the next you know the the that twelfth apostle being added later in chapter one, you know that's part of the criteria. Someone who has been with us from the beginning, who has been a witness to all of these things. So Luke is first emphasizing that the disciples saw the ascension happen. They were looking on, took him out of their sight while they were gazing in heaven. So they're they're looking and watching these things, and that this that Jesus's ascension is not a spiritual event. It's not just um, a, a meaningful concept to the Christian faith. It this this happened as surely as it's in the same vein, the same language, the same understanding of it being fact that Jesus rose from the dead that Jesus was crucified on the cross, that Jesus was a man born in Bethlehem, that his name was Jesus, that people knew him, saw him, that he, he, he walked the streets of Bethlehem, he walked the streets of Capernaum, he was in the garden, he was a man, he bled, he talked, that he was, a, he was in flesh. So that this is part of that vein, that that happened. And that's that's one of Luke's first emphasis, is that this is this is not... Uh, a spiritual man disappearing into some spiritual realm. This was the man that ate fish with them in John 20. That man uh, was taken up in a cloud out of their sight. Hmm. So there is, before you even talk about what it means, right? Before you even ask, well, what in the world is going on in God's plan of redemption for for Jesus to disappear from the earth? uh, It's a fact, it's right. uh, it's part of the witness of the apostles. Uh, when they say we were, if you, when you go back to Acts four and Acts five, and they say we were witnesses of these things, in John, First John, he says we were witnesses. We saw, we heard, we we testify what we saw with our eyes, what we uh, what we touched with our hands, what we heard with our ears. That the ascension is part of it. Yeah, you know, the answer to where is Jesus now. We saw him disappear, being lifted up, actually is the better phrase, in a cloud. Yeah. Um, I remember witnessing to a guy one time, and um, the only time I've ever done it. And uh, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That one. one. Yeah, that's what it sounded like when I said that. That's crazy. Um, No, I remember 
witnessing to a guy and his big issue was this verse acts 1 9 and he said and so then they were just standing there and that was his it was a question where's jesus now yeah and i said well he was taken up into heaven acts 1 9 yeah and he was like so we read it and he was like so he just was just lifted up he just floated. He flew like Superman. He just took off. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, the one that mm-hmm. was just raised from the dead. Yeah. And your yeah. problem is he floated in the air. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, floating in the air is no big deal now. You know. Yeah. Spit out of the belly of a fish, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yep. Noah's flood, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, parting the Red Sea, no big deal. Because a man just got up from the dead, resurrected. Yeah. So, and part of that is obviously the ascension. So then, um, okay. So the re- there's the reality of it, and and I think too, like what you're, I think what you're getting at, is that the ascension is Luke's detail of the ascension in Acts one nine is not primarily it sounds like theological as such that there is obviously tons of theology behind it mm-hmm. but but on the surface in the story the way it functions is the way Luke is telling it yeah. is evidence of where Jesus is mm-hmm. it's answer it's preempting that question well where is this resurrected Jesus the disciples mm-hmm. saw him be lifted away Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So at, at the very least, we can say one function of the ascension is answering the question, where is Jesus now? He was taken up into heaven. Yeah. Period. Yeah. But then we have to also then answer the question, why? And what is the importance of that role mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. And how does it how is that important for our lives? So, okay, fine. If I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and they ask the question, where's Jesus now? Then I have the answer there in Acts 1-9. But if they ask me, why was he taken up into heaven? Why didn't he just walk around on the earth and say like, look at me, I've been resurrected from the dead and you're going to try to catch me and you're going to mm-hmm. pass right through me and or yeah. I can go anywhere I want. And why wouldn't he just do that and... And then, you know, all the questions would be answered, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, all the Joe Rogans of the world or the whomevers that are kind of like, you know, I want more evidence. I want a YouTube video or, you know, something like that. All They would all have their, their solutions. Yeah. So why didn't he just keep walking around? Why did he go up into heaven? Yeah. So how do you answer that theologically from a biblical perspective? Why did he go? So two passages come to mind, two set sections of Scripture, I would say. It's going to be interesting. I want to see if you go where, I, where I'm going. Okay. you have So you have it in your mind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One one would be prophetic, Daniel 7. Okay. I wouldn't go in there. And the other, the other would be Hebrews. Hebrews and 10? The imi- multiple, actually, in Hebrews. Yeah. Um, but the basically the... Uh, formula is not the word, but the the actual temple and the presence in the throne room of God, where, where Jesus enters in, 
as the Lamb King, high priest, great high priest, to offer his his blood. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first one that uh, I have on my list is uh, Daniel 7. And, of course, anytime you open up the book of Daniel, uh, people are going to get weird. And you have a lot of a lot of interpretive challenges in Daniel 7 with all of the kings. But Daniel is in Babylon. He sees a vision of kingdoms coming. And you've got different interpretations. Are those kingdoms, you know, is the, is the fourth one in particular, is it Greece or is it Rome? But you see... He has two two visions, and one of them is Daniel seven verse nine, right? So you've got you've got God's people in Babylon, overthrown in exile because of their sin, and Daniel has this vision of kingdoms, but he has a vision of the ancient of days in Daniel nine seven through ten, and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing is as white as snow. Thrones were placed, his hair was like pure wool, his throne was like fire, the wheels were burning fire. I mean, this is Ezekiel's vision, this is Isaiah's vision, this is another prophetic vision of God on the throne of all the universe, of all creation, heavens and earth. And then, continuing in Daniel 7, is, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." So you have these uh, these visions of successive kingdoms in the beginning of seven, all of which are destroyed and temporary. Then you have the vision of the Son of Man uh, in the clouds of heaven ascending to the throne of God where he's given a dominion, a kingdom, which includes all peoples and nations and languages, and it's a kingdom that will never pass away and be destroyed. Well, what's ha- what's happening in Acts chapter 1? The resurrected, never-to-die-again Christ, who is the Son of God and who is referred to by his own terms as the Son of Man, which the Pharisees knew Son of Man was a term from the prophets that meant uh, sitting at the right hand of God. Uh, he's given dominion, glory, kingdom, nations, languages, which actually fits with Acts one eight, because the the the, uh, the the charge and the commission is to go take the gospel, to be witnesses to all the earth, to all people, all nations. We have that from Matthew twenty eight verse 20, uh, twenty twenty two as well, and this is a never an everlasting dominion and kingdom, as opposed to those other kingdoms in Daniel 7 and all the kingdoms of the earth, including Babylon and and even the, I would say, the eschatological Babylon, for lack of a better term, the end times this, this kingdom will never yeah. end. So when Jesus ascends, his commission, the ascension, is matching Daniel 7's vision. Hmm. 
of a son of man being next to the ancient of days and being basically God's ruler of the world, which to skip a lot of biblical theological explanation is an atomic role, right? Overseeing the earth and you have uh, Adam was told to multiply and fill the earth and now Jesus has sent his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Uh, so that his kingdom has no limits on the earth. So so if we want to get um, just because I, I, I didn't think to go there. Uh, that wasn't one of the passages in my mind. There's a few others that mm-hmm. came to my mind first. Mm-hmm. But that's a really good passage to go to. And I think what's what's even further in that same vein is what's happening in, you know, you say is an, a, like an Adam like ruler, which Daniel mm-hmm. points out. But I mm-hmm. think that the call out there in Daniel 7, 13 and 14 is he's one like the son of man. And why that's particularly odd is because this is in the heavenly throne room and mm-hmm. all of the people, all of the kingdoms that are represented around the throne are heavenly representatives of those kingdoms. They're beasts. And mm-hmm. they're, th- those are those are kind of you might you might think of them as demonic represent- re- representatives, not terrestrial representatives, not earthly representatives. Mm-hmm. They're heavenly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here comes one like the Son of Man. What's he doing there? He comes mm-hmm. into the throne room and is given the dominion. So he's both a heavenly representative, and because he's like the Son of Man, he's an earthly representative. If you go mm-hmm. back to Daniel two, which is the parallel to Daniel seven. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream where he has a statue and that statue is divided into four and mm-hmm. each one again represents those same four yeah. kingdoms but these yeah. are terrestrial these are earthly kingdoms yeah so the yeah. what you get in seven is the heavenly representative of these earthly kingdoms and at the end mm-hmm. of that dream the rock comes and destroys that statue and is a mountain now an earthly representative of the kingdom that's yeah. that overtakes the entire world and so right. uh, so what you what you seem to be kind of saying then is that part of Jesus's Jesus. role his ascension is to be a heavenly representative of a real earthly kingdom well, yeah, it's a it's a declaration to all the nations and peoples of the earth that Jesus is the victorious the victorious ruling king of the dominion that will overtake the whole earth. Yeah. That you guys can you can go sit in the White House, you can go put your throne on a mountain, you can go as high as you want, and you can have as long as a throne as you want on the earth. My kingdom, like you said to Pilate, is not of this world. Right. But it is over this whole world. Right, as as the son of man, it doesn't originate uh, from this world. In other right, words. it's it's, it's how it's how what God has been doing from the beginning. So we just uh, in a le- leadership training that we're doing here at church, we just read through God's kingdom through God's covenant the first half, and show how you know from the beginning God's goal is getting his you know establishing his kingdom on the earth. Yeah, which he's been working through you know progressively from. Uh, from Adam's fall through Adam, then Noah, then Moses and David, and then ultimately fulfilling all of those in Christ, and that uh, the establishment of his of his kingdom on the earth is what he's been working toward all along. Yeah, and now his earthly king, his earth, it's like Jesus 
is he, he's able to have his feet in both at the same time. Right. He he's reigns. The God he, man. he reigns on earth from heaven. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what the ascension means. And if you want to get technical about it, when the disciples, the apostles, as they're writing the New Testament, they don't use the metaphor of us as his body for no reason. Yeah. It, it's not, it, the constantly the way it's communicated of our union with Christ is he is our head and we are his body. Yeah. And yeah. and that's, that's an intentional metaphor. It's yeah. not like they just pick something that kind of worked, you know, and went after mm-hmm. it. But it, but it was, it was intentional that we are connected to him. We are the members through which he reigns. Yeah. And so his ascension is pivotal to that because, because other, he could reign on earth. Yeah. But it's, it's pivotal that he has ascended into heaven because he continues yeah. to reign on earth through his body. Yeah. It's it's like it's the last it's the it's a stamp on the file to the to the apostles that says my kingdom is not a, of this earth like I told you it's it my my kingdom doesn't end with overthrowing Rome right or begin there right. it's it's bigger than that and it it, it comprehends the whole and that's uh, the whole earth that's their concern in Acts one is are you now gonna are you going to restore? Yeah. And specifically, we took, and this is part of the joy of going slow in Acts. Mm-hmm. They specifically ask the question: Are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Mm-hmm. Not even the kingdom of Israel. Not even. Are you going to restore Israel? Are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Calvin says of that question. Every word in that question has an error in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like their understanding of the, the kingdom come was still so short that it's it's laughable. Well, it, but you know, in Acts too, just pause right there for a second. I want to let you finish, but you know, I'm like Kanye, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. Uh, but <laughs> when the, the disciples don't even realize the Gentiles are coming into this thing, until chapter 10. Right. So so they're not the the bastion of understanding at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. In yeah. the narrative. Right. They're not the examples, you know, that we want to look at. Yeah. Uh, Even after they receive the Spirit, they're still learning. Yeah. That, they're they, not like, like zapped with the whole, you yeah. know, biblical theology immediately. Acts 10. Cornelius shows up and, and Peter's like, what? <laughs> and yeah. then he's telling his buddies later in the next chapter, yeah. he's like, I don't know what you want me to do, but the Holy Spirit yeah. fell on these Gentiles, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there's still learning. all I'm saying, guys, is let's eat bacon and have Gentiles at church now. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Have so. you tasted bacon? It's delicious. <laughs> Gu- guys, the gospel is better than you could have ever imagined. <laughs> it, it actually has a flavor Dude. to your mouth. Dude. That you can, you can <laughs> Did you guys know what the gospel actually tastes like? Did you know that the uh, priests have been taking the brisket this whole time? <laughs> They've been taking it by themselves. Did you not know that we could actually have the brisket? Guys, when I said everything changes, I mean everything. <laughs> everything, guys. We're seeing in four in four K now, okay? <laughs> so I, I think I I think that's the the first that that's the 
the meaning of who, what Jesus is doing when he ascends is he's fulfilling a prophetic vision, which is about his rule and his reign over all nations forever. Mm-hmm. And so while while there currently is a geographic, really a terrestrial difference, you know, he's ruling from there here. He's his rule on the church exercise his rule on the earth exercised is the church continuing to be his witness to all nations and living in holiness as his people on the earth. So that's how his rule is existing on the earth right now, is his people here spreading the gospel. Um, it's interesting, uh, Patrick Schreiner uses, uh, he uses a phrase that just makes me love him even more. He says, though, though it may seem odd that a cloud elevates Jesus, which again, like going back to your gospel conversation, I've mentioned this a few times in sermons before. Like, guys, we just we have to recognize that what we say sounds weird to people. Yeah. There was a guy who was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Then he floated up into heaven and said he's going to come back one day. Yeah. On a white horse with yeah. a sword coming out of his mouth and fire in his eyes. Like, right. we, we've got to realize what these things sound like and yeah. be able to explain their meaning at least, you know. And, and explain them as facts. But, but, he, but Schreiner says, though it may seem odd that a cloud elevates Jesus, clouds were transportation vehicles that signified or concealed the presence of God from the people in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Transportation vehicle. I thought that was a funny way to put it. I don't know how else I would put it. but Godmobile. Wow, just like the Pope Mobile. <laughs> the clouds of the God- Godmobile. The Godmobile. That, that just sounds blasphemous, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you go back to uh, Israel following the cloud uh, by day and the fire by night. Yeah. Uh, you have God's presence in the temple. Uh, when God fills the tabernacle at the end of Exodus, when he fills the, the temple in Second Kings 10, or is it First Kings 10, he it immediately fills the temple with smoke. Uh, when Jesus is transfigured, uh, the Peter, James, and John are brought I think that's into. Chronicles, isn't it? Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Pretty sure it's First Kings, but you can check me. I know the, for sure there's a reference to it in Chronicles, but go ahead. But and it the, may also be in Kings. Yeah, in the Transfiguration, Jesus, uh, you know, enters into a cloud. They enter into the cloud with him. A voice comes out of the cloud. This is my son, my chosen one. Uh, listen to him. Uh, when Jesus talks about himself in front of the chief priests and he's, you know, being brought on trial before his crucifixion, they ask him flat out, are you the Christ? And he, his, his answer after being silent was, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you're going to see the Son of Man, Daniel 7, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the, the, the cloud is from not just on. like, do what? He says, from now on. Right. His so the cloud, resurrection. Yep. yeah, the cloud, the biblical theology, and even Jesus' own words, isn't just an accident. Nope. You know, like it's kind of like the portal, right. you know, and 
You just that it just it's just a transport. Right. Um, it, it means presence and authority and God's holiness and transcendence, yet his inaccessibility. It 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 is it, it has to do with the presence of God who is spiritual in a in a physical reality with his people. And and Jesus being that in the flesh finds himself in that cloud in, yeah. in the same way. So it's not it's not just that it was a cloudy day and Jesus disappeared up into the clouds in the sky and that was the moment when we lost him. Yeah. It was it would it would have been more like a cloud enveloped him and the disciples would have been like, Oh man, that was just like the transfiguration guys. Right, right, right. That's exactly what that was like. Um and you're you're able to make biblical theological connections to its meaning that the presence of God was there and Jesus was in it, just like in the temple, just like in Daniel seven, just like he said he would be in Matthew and in Luke. Yeah. Uh, so and it has to do with the presence of God. Proof that what you're saying is the way that should be interpreted is when Jesus raises from the dead in Matthew and meets mm-hmm. his disciples. Some don't believe, they worship, and then he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been yeah. given to me. Go yeah. and make disciples. So that his statement to Caiaphas was, from now on, you're going to see Daniel 7 playing out right in front of you. And mm-hmm. after the resurrection, his kingdom has been inaugurated, and he mm-hmm. has received the crown on his head. And mm-hmm. there's a lot, I think, too, that we could go into that we spend forever on going into the fall of the temple in 70 AD and things like that and its connection to that. But, um, but I so like you went to Daniel, and so we we, we said first that there is a there is a practical reason, like a, a, a practical, um, you know, uh, apologetic type reason for his ascension. Mm-hmm. And then also there is a, uh, a, a connection to him receiving the kingdom and him yeah, being, his rule, his reign, his rule, his reign. But then there's, him actually sitting down at the right hand of the Father, which is connected to what you're saying. There's two mm-hmm. verses that I want to read that come to mind. One is from Hebrews 10, mm-hmm. verse 12, says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until... His enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Mm-hmm. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And he contrasts that with verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So, there's there is a part of this that is is testifying to the atonement that why isn't Christ here because his work is done mm-hmm. his 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 earthly work is done and his mm-hmm. earthly work 
was to make a once for all sacrifice to atone mm-hmm. for sin. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God and through his body, ruling and reigning, making his enemies his footstool. What does that mm-hmm. mean? Making his enemies his footstool. I mean, I think that goes back to the Daniel 7 kind of over the nation's rule and reign in the context of the first half of Daniel 7, which is, um, uh, you know, the the nations of the earth basically, you know, raging uh, back to, I think it's that Psalm 2, um, which I, I haven't even touched the, the Psalms, uh, Psalm 2, Psalm 4, 6, 11, something like that. There would be include references to ascending, ruling, reigning of the Messiah, the Messianic Psalms. Um, but that that his enemy should be made a footstool it, it could be reference to that final enemy, death itself even, but all enemies of the throne. But that when he when he entered into when he entered as a man into the heavenly throne room of God, he presented his own blood as a sacrifice to make once atonement for sins for all. Right. So he 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 was not he was not really good to us. See if I can find it, make sure I'm not saying something crazy. Just as blood offered in an earthly temple. Because our our debt really to God is a spiritual debt before God in heaven. And all of those the old tabernacle, the old temple, even the garden itself as a, as a as a temple was there were copies of the heavenly thing so when jesus ascends into heaven he he goes past the earthly copies and he enters into the presence of god himself where he offers his blood himself and where revelation pictures him before the throne of god as a slain lamb for the nations so it's it's his rule and his reign but it's also his priestly duty right. as the the great high priest to enter in the heavenly temple and make it so that man can be with God in heaven because our savior the lamb for our sins is there in heaven for us so that in you know instead of you know just the priest going into the temple once a year that curtain has been torn into so that the people of God can actually go into heaven with God forever having yeah. Jesus' blood there atoning and justifying our sin. So yeah. that when Jesus ascended, that's where he went and what he went to do. Right. That's what he's actively doing now. He stands there as our atonement and our justification to take away our sins forever. And he can never die again. He'll never have to offer sacrifice again. There's not going to be a third temple with lambs sacrificed for a thousand years or an eternity because Jesus is it. Yeah. He is it. And so that passage in Hebrews uh, is connected to 1 Corinthians 15, where mm-hmm. Paul says this same thing, but he, ish, he says, um, he says, for as in Adam all die, this is 1522, for as in Adam mm-hmm. all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his order, Christ the first fruits. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Mm -hmm. For he must reign 
And I think this is what he's talking about right now, what he's doing. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And I think the all enemies there under his feet is not just the enemies that he now made part of his kingdom, which is us, right? Mm -hmm. He's saved his enemies, some of his Mm -hmm. enemies. Mm -hmm. There's other enemies, which are every rule and authority, Mm -hmm. right? So you, you go back to Daniel 7, which you mentioned earlier, and yeah. if you notice, the, the crowns are taken away from the beast, but they're allowed mm-hmm. to rule and reign for a little while longer. Yeah. So this is that this is that little while longer. Mm-hmm. He's going to destroy every rule and every authority, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. Mm-hmm. I added the itself part, but death. Yeah. So... Every rule, every authority, everything that exercises any form of dominion that is contrary to the resurrection of Christ is right now being put in subjection. So that that me, that also means people who are who are contrary to Christ, individuals at the preaching of the gospel are being told to submit or die is essentially the 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 case not mm-hmm. submit or i'm going to kill you physically but mm-hmm. submit either submit now and come into Christ's kingdom or submit later and be thrown into the lake of fire yeah right it, th- that is the choice that's before you so now everyone everyone yeah. in the world whether they know it or not rises and falls in judgment on on their comprehension uh, belief, um, whatever you want to call it, acceptance, receiving of the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It all rises and falls on Jesus. Yeah. What do you say and about Jesus? When you look at Ephesians 2, it doesn't use the feet language. Psalm 8 does, as an example, everything yep. being put under his feet. So it's a picture of you know, his how high is his rule? Well, right. everything is under his feet. Right. Nothing is beside him. There's no authority that's kind of next to him. Right. Everything because he is, is beside God, essentially. Right. 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 Yeah. And everything's under exactly. his feet. And in Ephesians 2, it says, you know, God has, we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. So Paul, Paul's basically putting us there with Christ, mm. and kind of show it to to use your language like you you can give your allegiance to Christ now, trust him as Lord, and be seated next to him forever in heaven, or you can be below his feet forever, and right. all that means in the whole Bible, and it's the it, 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 you're right. It is the, the the thing that divides all people in heaven and earth is right. Christ and his rule and his reign. And the, so then the ascension, when Jesus actually ascends, it, it's not I'm trying to figure out how to put it, it, it. It's not just like something is happening. Like that is being fulfilled yeah. and coming true. And I mean, it's it sounds kind of too thin to say, but in a sense, he's literally putting everything under his feet. Yeah, 
in the ascension, right? And not not by physically going up higher in the sky than anybody, yeah. Uh, but that his ascension is him literally going. Let me let me show you, and I'm now actually taking my place, where everything in every realm is under my feet and under yeah. my rule and under my reign, as both God as the one one who is both God and man. Yeah, that that's what's happening, and like. It's like uh, I'm trying to remember the song. I can't remember now. But like that, that uh, you know, the the ascension up to the throne. You you go back to the kings being uh, in the Old Testament. The kings being you know making their way to their throne and sitting on the throne. That's what Jesus is doing, right? Mm. He's not just disappearing to another world. Mm. He's formally ascending to the throne where mm. he rules. So, yeah, I think you have. You know, so we like we've mentioned Adamic, you know, uh, the prophetic. We didn't really touch on the Psalms, but that's there. Uh, the the Hebrews connection. Uh, there actually are a lot of places in the New Testament. First Peter has a couple where Jesus's ascension is significantly meaningful. I won't be able to touch all of those in the sermon. Of course, you not. know. Yeah. Again, I I could just do one sermon on chapter on Acts chapter one verse nine. Yeah, um, I'm doing eight and nine this week, but it, it is at least helpful to know that like this isn't like an oddball in the gospel. Like this isn't like I know Jesus is coming back, and that's going to mean the consummation of heaven. I know Jesus rose from the dead, and that's final payment for my sins. Jesus ascended is kind of like this. Well, I guess he's got to go somewhere. You know, yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like what? 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 What is? What place is that in the gospel? Yeah. Um, he can't just so, hang around here now making TikTok videos. I mean, it's just not how it's. How it should. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure Jesus would have just smited TikTok, at its at its creation. Smote, smote I think. Smote, yeah, whatever. Uh, smite, you smite. We done smote. It would have dis- <laughs> disappeared in a cloud, right? At some point, so right. Um. No, they but I pre, I could pretty surely say there will be no TikTok in heaven. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I just yeah, I don't know if I really be a TikTok in America for very long. <laughs> we could listen. I'm telling you, another podcast. We've we're talking about China. China's in TikTok. China's in uh, American cell phone towers. They're balloons. sending balloons, bro. I mean, we need a China episode. We need. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, is this World War Three? You know, yeah. Um, anyway, I'm I'm also <laughs> I'm also reading a book right now called The Spy and the Traitor about a KGB spy who flipped to MI6 during the Cold War. So my antennas are like up, man. Like, oh man, yeah, I'm loving this China stuff. No, I'm not yeah. loving it, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, tra- I'm following it. Okay, that's yeah. what I meant to say. We're editing that out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm really having fun with the the China, you know, potential here. Oh yeah. man, that that part's got to be taken out. There's no way that stays. <laughs> so anyway, but I, um, actually, someone in our. Uh, building block uh, the last quarter of 2022 
so we have a little I, I learned this from Simeon Trust I don't know what it's called but it's it's uh, it's a picture of the gospel and it just shows the progression of Christ so it kind of starts with an arrow pointing to the left eternity past and it's got a line where Jesus you know existed in eternity past and it's got a line that comes down you know it goes forward and down saying he was born on the earth then there's a dash he lived then there's a line that goes uh, down he died and was buried then there's a line that goes up it says he was resurrected then there's a line that says he lived on the earth then there's a line that says he ascended then there's a line that says he's reigning so it's kind of this up and down graph you know kind of showing where he went in time to kind of picture the gospel the the movement and uh acts is really also picking up like jesus when he ascended, he didn't leave the earth without a presence, reign, right. and rule. Right. And I've always seen that graph, and it was explained to me, and I haven't given this to Simeon Trust yet. I'll have to credit someone else. But when Jesus ascended up into heaven, and he now reigns from heaven, he also still guides and rules his people by his spirit on the earth at the same right. time. Right. So that he's not, he is both there and here. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So we can't really say, because he promised he would never leave us and at the end of Matthew. We can't really say, well, Jesus is not here. He's right. somewhere else. He's reigning from a distance. He actually is ruling from within his people yeah. by yeah. his spirit right now. Yeah. And that that's, so he went up and ascended, but in that gospel picture, the spirit is on earth now. And exercising his reign and rule, his spirit coming into mortal man, mm-hmm. cleansing them from sin, and guiding them mm-hmm. is his dominion. That right. is his his rule, and it's through that that the Abrahamic covenant at the very beginning of the Bible, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed is fulfilled. It's by mm-hmm. Christ, and we, we ultimately know Paul even tells us in Galatians that it's through Christ that that offspring would be born. And it's so it's through Christ then that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How are they going to be blessed? By his spirit coming into mortal man, forgiving them of sin, mm-hmm. and ruling their life, mm-hmm. and guiding mm-hmm. them into truth, repentance yep. and truth. So... Yep. The, basically, all of the all, I mean, all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's it. So someone really wise once told me that. Um, <laughs> so you know, it, it's a it, it is a um, it's a beautiful like the the it's I think for you, it's going to be really hard preaching Acts 1-9 and keeping it to whatever you, you do, 45 minutes or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that on a on a Thursday, it's a really comforting feeling to know, even if I did not have one note, I could get up there and preach for eight hours on mm-hmm. this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So... Well, that's that's actually that's the problem for me. Yeah, <laughs> I could talk about this all day. <laughs> right, that, that's part of the problem. That's actually 
and I think we've already done this episode, but that's actually why I manuscript, so that I don't just stand up there and talk all day. Yeah, because I've since moved from manuscripting. I would, I could, yeah, I know. Uh, Good for you. Good for you. Good job. At least manuscripting, manuscripting in total. I still have a a fairly complex outline with some notes, but yeah. That I've since moved from that, yeah. yeah. Since the last time, yeah. we should revisit that at some point. Maybe, maybe since you, since you since you've made a change and take down that nine marks article that I that I read earlier, <laughs> or or get a response to it. But yeah, I was at some I was at some trust in Graham last week, and Ryan Bishop, who I, having heard him preach three times in three years, I can say he has really grown as a preacher. And one of the things he did was go to a manuscript, actually, as part of his transition. So I don't, uh, yeah, we can we could talk about it, but I don't think there's a, a law there for for guys to follow. Right. There's just you know those who th- there's those guys who use manuscripts and they believe in the cowboys and they're happy, and then there's those guys like you who <laughs> are forever cynical about. Cowboys and, and are just make, right every year. Go ahead, make keep up going. their sermons. They just make up their sermons on the fly on, on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sunday morning. <laughs> what what am I going to do this week? I'll just make it up when I get up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wing it by the Holy Spirit, baby. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Well, I think I don't know what else to say about the ascension at this point. There's tons more to be said, but. I think that it's it's been encouraging to me to see, and it, and it's just it's just like God and everything He does. It's just layered with meaning, you know. Uh, like what what kind of fool would I be to think that the ascension was just kind of an accident and just kind of you know like like the prayer in a boring church service? You know, it's just a transition. You know, it's just a, you know, it's like one of those kind of things. You know, this is this is just how we get from A to B. You know, we just close the curtain real quick, and then we're going to open it back later for the next scene. That this is this is meaningless, when it's actually like the fulfillment of much of what God's been doing since Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so big. Right. So I, I think it's encouraging in the gospel and. Um, has helped, like, my, has helped my faith because uh, sure. I've asked myself I told a guy I was having breakfast with this morning I was like I've asked myself this week do I believe Jesus ascended yeah do I believe is it does it and does it matter to me yeah um so it's been really good for my soul even yeah um I, the more we you know I'm teaching a building block for the entire year that goes two quarters mm-hmm. through the Old Testament two quarters through the New Testament and the goal is essentially showing, opening up all those threads of the storylines that the Old Testament are are kind of pulling out in a very kingdom through covenant way that the whole Bible is really discussing and showing how God is establishing his kingdom on earth. And, um, but, but all those thread lines are opened in each book. And they're established, and they've got the remnant of Israel. They've got, you know, we've got this uh, David's tent being restored. We've got, you know, um, all, all of these different 
threads of the seed, the offspring that's supposed to come from Abraham, the family, the line of David, all these threads are being opened. Mm-hmm. And what we find in the New Testament is the authors through just, I mean, meticulous work, obviously under divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, bring all of those thread lines into one single string, Mm -hmm. which is Christ. So they meet at the end of the Gospels in Christ, at the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. And then that thread continues through the church being established. Mm -hmm. And it's like the apostles are saying, he's not done yet. And we get all the way to Revelation and it, you don't have to do something complex or different with Revelation. Spoiler alert, Revelation is showing how all that concludes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tested and how yeah. all that concludes. Yeah. So it's doing the same thing. And, and in that, in Revelation, what's so amazing, which is maybe another conversation for another day, is John is reminding the churches who are undergoing the final days of Satan's, you know, torment Mm -hmm. to them he's reminding them remember what's happened in christ as he established his kingdom as he has ascended as he's ruling and reigning and everything is being put in subjection under his feet woe to you earth and sea for the devil has come down to you in great fury because he knows his time is short Mm -hmm. and so it's a reminder to the churches endure endure Mm -hmm. the one who conquers yeah will have eternal life and at the beginning John 1 or Revelation 1 4, this is message that God sends through Christ, through John, grace and peace to you from him who was and is and who was and is to come, from the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Amen. Amen. There it is. Let's leave it there. See you. See you next week. listening to the fire and bones podcast if you enjoyed this podcast consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you and most importantly share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links including our contact information feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the fire and bones podcast